Matthew 6.25 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather in the borns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why, why, and why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive tomorrow and is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that we need all these things. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it's not hard to figure out the problem Jesus is trying to address here in this passage of Scripture, right? Five times in ten verses, he says, he makes reference to worry. Do not worry. Verse 25, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. Verse 27, and, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Verse 28, why are you worried about clothing? Verse 31, do not worry, then saying what we will eat. Verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. The message is clear, isn't it? The problem Jesus is trying to address here is the passage of Scripture is the problem of worry. Now, worry was a problem way back when the disciples were walking on the face of the earth. And fast forward all the way till today, worry is still a problem today, wouldn't you say? I think we would all agree that all of us at some time, at some point in our life, struggle with and deal with worry. Amen. Don't leave me hanging. Say amen. Amen. And so, you know, what is worry? Worry is just simply being overly anxious and overly concerned about something or someone. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's just being overtaking, being mastered to the point that it disturbs your, uh, it disturbs your mind and troubles your heart. It totally robs you of peace in your life. And so, you know, everybody has some normal worry. You know, you worry about whether you're going to be, get to class on time or to work on time. And that's a good worry because hopefully you, you will, right? But the worry that Jesus is talking about here is that excessive worry, that, that over-the-top worry. And so he says in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. So Jesus commands us and says, don't be worried about life. Now that's a whole lot easier said than done, wouldn't you say? It's a whole lot easier said. So what's the problem with worry? Well, you know, besides eating your nails off, there's other problems, right? And one of them is this. Worry is an exercise of futility. It's an exercise of futility. Jesus said in verse 27, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, he's saying, listen, don't get by yourself and sit there and worry and worry and worry. It's not going to prolong your life. It's not going to make you live long. Ah, oh, man, i got to worry a little bit because I want to live long. He says it's not going to happen. You know, one translation says, It won't put any height to your statue. Oh, shucks. 
I would do a little bit of worrying. Six three, six four. I could dunk the ball. Yes. Right. But Jesus is saying, basically, worry has no benefits, is unproductive, is a waste of time. It's futile. And we all say, hey, let me give you some stats that drive home the futility of worry. Forty percent of the things we worry about never come to pass. You know, somebody said today is the yesterday we worried about. That's here. Thirty percent of all worries involve past decisions that cannot be changed. Twelve percent of our worries focus on criticism from others who spoke critically because they felt inferior. Ten percent are related to our health, which gets worse when we worry. Only eight percent of our worries could be described as legitimate causes of concern. So basically, fewer than one problem in every ten is cause for a real concern. Worry is futile. Somebody said, you know, worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. It's like running on a treadmill. You, you know, your heart rate is gone. You, you're burning a lot of energy. You're using your strength, but your environment is not changing. Worry is futile. The second problem with worry is that it will keep the Word of God from having a positive impact on your life. How many of you know that the Word of God can have a positive impact on your life? James chapter 1 verse 25 says this, If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. How many of you know if you do the Word of God, God will bless you? James reminds you, hey, the more you do the Word of God, the more your life will be positively impacted for the kingdom and for the glory of God. But you know what? Worry will choke out the Word. It'll cause the Word to have no effect. Remember the parable. Jesus told the parable of the sower using agriculture terminology. Most everybody that was there could understand. And he says, it's like a sower that went out and sowed seed. The seed being the word of God fell on four different soil. One by the roadside, one on the rocky places, one in thorns and one on good soil. The first seed that fell on the roadside, the birds came in and stole it. The seed is the word of God. The birds came and ate it up. The second one that fell by the roadside, those are the ones that come up for a little while. The sun comes out, scorches it because it has no root and it falls apart. The third one that's planted in the thorns, it looks like it's going to do great. It looks like it's going to prosper. And then all of a sudden the thorns come in and choke it out. Verse seven of Mark chapter four, other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up, choked it out and it yielded no crop. So Jesus tells us why the third seed never became fruitful. In verse 18, he says, and others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful in your life. Worry. The word worry means to strangle or to choke. And God's word was meant to change and to transform our lives. But if we worry, the worry that we mastered by will come in and strangle the word right out of us. That's a good reason not to worry right there. 
But there's another problem with worrying, and worrying robs you of God's presence. How many of you would agree that it's good to have God's presence in your life? You know, the ark in the Old Testament was a picture of the presence of God. And everywhere the ark of the covenant went, whoever had it, God blessed. Open at Edom. He had the ark in his house and his house prospered. And that's a picture of the believer. Whenever they have the presence of God in their life, they will prosper. But you know, worry can choke out the presence of God right out of your life. Remember when Jesus decided to visit Mary and Martha? He visited a special occasion. Special visit from Jesus. And you know the story. It's a short story, so I'm going to read it in verse 38. They were traveling along, and he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So Martha was the one that rode out the welcome mat. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? to do all the serving alone. Then tell her to help me. Do you hear? Do you hear? And she might have not had that attitude. She might have just said, I'm doing all the work, Lord. Would you ask her to help me? But verse 41, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are, you are, and bothered by so many things, But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall never be taken away from her. So Martha became entangled with worries of the world, and she didn't get to enjoy the Lord's presence. Imagine if Jesus visited your house on a daily basis, but you could not take advantage of it because you were totally bothered by the worries of the world. That's basically what happened to Martha. Worry kept Martha from the most necessary and best part of life, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, I think that's possible for you and I to fall into that same trap. Worry will rob you from the presence of God. Think about it. Worry will keep you from the one that can solve your problems. Worry will keep you from the one that can change your circumstances. Worry will keep you from the one that can give you peace in the midst of your storm. Worry's not a friend, it's a foe. It's a foe, and it'll, it'll rob the most precious things of life right out from under you. Amen. And so now, how do we win over worry? How do we get, how do we master worry instead of being mastered by worry? Well, let's talk about it. Jesus gives us four remedies in Matthew chapter 6. The first remedy is to live one day at a time. How many of you know you got to live one day at a time? There's a song. Come on, how many of you know the song? There's a song when... I'm not going to say, I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it. In Matthew 6, 34, it says this. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. You know, we often try to live in tomorrow... Instead of living in today, and it's living in tomorrow that causes us most of our worry. We worry about what might happen in the future. But you know, I'm getting older. What if I don't get married? What if I don't pass my exam? What if the, the economy, what if I lose my job? What if my dog dies? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And we worry about the future. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because today has enough worry of its own. 
How many of you would say, Amen, Jesus? That's the truth right there. How many of you got enough worry in your life? You don't need mine. Right? So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Live one day at a time. Somebody said, one cannot change the past, but one can ruin the present by worrying over the future. We can, we can mess up today by worrying about tomorrow. And, you know, most of us, you know, we can handle the burdens of today with God's help. But very few of us can handle today's problems as well as the failures of the past, as well as the uncertainty of the future, along with our present problems. God didn't create us to handle all our problems all at one time. One day at a time. One day at a time. We weren't built to handle yesterday's problems, today's problems, and tomorrow's problems. One day's problems is enough for one day. Amen. Now, when we worry about tomorrow's problems, you know what it does? It empties us of today's strength. How many of you know worry will take strength right out of you? Worry will rob you of all your strength. We need all the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical capacity that we have to manage our problems today. We can't expend it on yesterday or tomorrow. We need to spend it on today. Come on, are y'all with me out there? You know, the whole basis of alcoholism, uh, not alcoholism, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA. You know, the whole basis of that is this principle of living one day at a time. You know, they, they bring somebody in that's been, you know, has problems with drinking for years and years. And they say, listen, listen, don't worry about being sober for 10 years. Let's worry about being sober for one day. One day. Ask God to help you just to make it through one day. And when you get done with that day and you wake up to more, ask God to help you with the next day. One day at a time. And they've been, have, they've had great success with accountability and, and, you know, hey, listen, one day at a time. You, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, the parable of the clock. Maybe you hadn't, but let me, let me read it to you because it, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite thought provoking. Once there was a nice self-respecting clock who ticked away for many years. One day the clock began to think about I just, there we go. One day the clock began to think about the work it had to do. The clock reasoned it had to tick two times every second. The more the clock thought about it, the more overwhelmed it became. Two ticks per second, that's 120 ticks per minute. And then, that's 7,200 ticks per hour. And 7,200 ticks per hour, that's 172,800 ticks per day. Adding that up, the clock reason, that's 1,209,600 ticks per week. 62,899,200 ticks per year. After thinking about it, the clock became so overwhelmed that the clock had a nervous breakdown. So they brought the clock to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist patched up the mainspring on the clock and the psychiatrist sat the clock on the couch and asked the clock what was the problem. I have to tick so much, he said. 120 ticks per second. 7,200 ticks per hour. 62 million ticks per year. Stop, stop, said the psychiatrist. Tell me, clock, how many ticks do you have to tick at one time? Well, I guess only one tick at a time, the clock said. 
the psychiatrist said, why don't you go home and just concentrate on ticking one tick at a time? And don't even think about the next tick until you've ticked the first tick. I think I can do it, said the clock. So the clock went home and ticked one tick at a time for many, many more satisfying years. All because it learned to live in and tick one tick at a time. They didn't know the clock was going to preach this morning, huh? So listen, to win over worry, we need to learn how to live one day at a time. One tick at a time. Amen. Remedy number two to win over worry is remind yourself of God's care for you. How many of you know God cares for you? And if you know God cares for you, it will help you with worry. And so Jesus illustrates this principle of God's caring for us using two visuals, first the flower and then the bird or the bird and then the flower. Remember what he said in verse 26, look at the birds, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in the borns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not, are you not worth much more than they? So listen, here's the, here's the principle. You know, he must have been teaching and here comes a flock of birds and he says, wait a minute, it's kind of like these birds. Hey, they're not on the government program. Nobody feeds them. They don't have, they don't have somebody to, 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 to pay their bills. Who feeds the birds? Have you ever thought of what it costs to feed all the birds in all the world? And God does that on a daily basis and he hadn't got broke yet. And he says, listen, who feeds the birds? They don't, they don't get on combines. They don't, they don't harvest. They don't plow the fields. They don't do all that. Yet, they don't sow. They don't, they don't reap. They don't have borns to put in all their, their store of, of wheat. But yet, your heavenly Father feeds them every day. Aren't you much more valuable than birds? And the answer is, yes. Then, He illustrates it by using flowers or lilies. And he says in verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Did I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these? But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So Jesus says, I dress and clothe flowers. And those things are just here for a little while and then they're thrown in the furnace. They die. They're gone. And I worry about clothing them. And Solomon in his best glory couldn't clothe himself like I clothe flowers. Hey, the message is obvious here. If God feeds the birds and clothes the flowers, how much more will he take care of us? And everybody said, hey, we need to remember that we are the height of God's creation. Amen. And we are the target of his redemption. Jesus didn't die on the cross for birds or flowers, but for human mankind. He loves us. He cares for us. And his promise, he's going to take care of us. Amen. I like what Hebrews 20 or Hebrews 2, 6 says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. 
You know, whenever I was studying, I came across this testimony, which I thought was pretty powerful. J.C. Penney was a man of God. The guy that started the, the, the store that you, we still have here in the mall. J.C. Penney was a great man of God. And he was, he was very generous. And he gave, he gave thousands and thousands of dollars into the ministry, into the furtherance of the kingdom of God. But while he started J.C. Penney's, the Great Depression hit. And when the Great Depression hit, J.C. Penney got overcome with worry. He was paralyzed with worry. So much so that it began to affect his health. And he got shingles. And at that time, they didn't even know what it was. And because he continued to live in this pressure cooker of worry, his health, he ended up hospitalized and he thought he was going to die. He even wrote a last farewell letter to his family and friends of his, you know, kind of his last will and testament. And one day, he decided to cross the hall and walk into the chapel of the hospital. When he walked into the chapel, there were some Christians there in the chapel singing an old hymn, Be not dismayed with whatever may come. God will take care of you. And they sang that song. Be not dismayed with whatever may come. God will take care of you. And all of a sudden, J.C. Penney said, when he heard them singing those words of that old hymn, faith just dropped in his heart and the words began to resound in his spirit and he became persuaded that his life was in God's hand and that God really cared for him and that God was going to see him through the Great Depression. And whenever that transformation happened in J.C. Penney, his health started turning around He got completely and totally healed and he walked out of the hospital and lived for many more years without being mastered by worry. Remember when the disciples were on the, they were in that great storm and at the heat of the battle, it looked like their ship was going to sink. And they said this to Jesus. He was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And the answer is, yes, he cares, right? Verse 40, and he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you do you still have no faith? What was the problem? They were not trusting God. They were not relying on God. Listen, have you ever felt that God was asleep in your storm? That He wasn't aware of what you were going through? Can I tell you, He does. He knows what you're going through. He knows when one little sparrow falls out the sky. He knows when one hair, He numbered them all, and He knows when one hair falls off your head. He cares for the birds. He cares for the flowers. He's going to care for you. Amen? You know, somebody said worry, worry is essentially a distrust in God. It's a distrust. It's the sin we're not afraid to commit. When we think, God, I don't know if I can rely on you. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. It's an affront to the Lord. We need to trust God and believe God. Amen? And so Jesus understood that this worry thing 
was going to totally wreck the lives of the disciples. So he uses 10 verses to, you know, some places he said, given it shall be given to you. Here he says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And in case you didn't get it, don't worry. And if you're wondering what I'm trying to say, don't worry about tomorrow. Did you get it? That's, that's basically my paraphrase of what he's saying. We need to remind ourselves that the Lord cares for us. Is that right, saints of God? You know, somewhere it says, if God didn't spare his son to help us, what will he spare to give us what we need? If natural fathers know how to give good gifts to their earthly children, how much more does the heavenly father know to give good gifts to his children? Remedy number three to overcome worry is realigning the priorities of your life. Sometimes worry is the result of having misaligned priorities. How many of you know if your priorities are not right, you can't expect to not be worried? Jesus said in verse 31, don't worry, saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so Jesus is saying, to win over worry, we have to rearrange our priorities. Most of us, we spend all our time focusing on what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, and what we, you know, all the necessities of life. And he says, don't make that your priority. And this is what he said our priority should be. Seek first the kingdom of God. I believe what that means is seek the desires of God. Seek the will of God. Seek the plan of God. He said, when you pray, pray this well. Pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I think he's saying, listen, if you're going to do anything in the day, make sure that you seek the kingdom of God. And that will help you to win over worry. And then the other thing he said is not only seek his kingdom, but seek his righteousness which I believe is seeking the outworking of his character in our life. Seek to be godly. Seek to be, seek to have Christ's reflection in your everyday life. And so all our walking, talking, eating, sleeping, everything we do should be an opportunity and a desire to reflect Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, if you will make the kingdom of God your priority and, my, and his righteousness a priority, then everything else that everybody else spends their life worrying about, I'm going to give you what they seek. That's what he says. He says, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All these things the heathen, the Gentiles seek, I'm going to give you that. And so here is the principle. We make a priority of God's kingdom. We make a priority of being more like Christ. And while we're putting our focus and our energy, our focus is not on the winds and the waves of what we don't have or what we're going to have or what's coming down the pike. Our, our focus is not on the winds and the wave of the storm, but it's on Jesus Christ. And whenever we put our focus on Jesus Christ, he says, you know what? I'm going to put you some fish. They're going to fish. You're going to jump in the boat and you're going to have something to eat while you're going through the storm. That's paraphrase. You can't find that in the scripture. Amen. But are y'all following me today? You see, what do we do? Well, career is first. Relationships are first. Things of the world, pleasure, 
Recreation is first. And then somewhere down here is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Say, oh, so worried, so worried. Get your focus off the world. Get them on Jesus. And he's going to give you peace. Come on, y'all believe that this morning? Amen. Finally, remedy number four. Remedy number four to winning over worry is rely on the instruction and promises of the word of God. How many of you know God gave us his word to comfort us, to encourage us and to instruct us? Listen to this verse, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So if you want to win over worry, you must learn to bring your problems and concerns to God in prayer. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So somebody said, if you want to win over worry, if you want to worry about nothing, then you have to learn to pray about everything. Amen. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Amen. Come on, we got to quit focusing on the we, we major on the minors and we need to major on the majors. And Jesus is the major. Amen. And so listen, we need to bring our problems to the Lord. You know, we sit there and we're like, oh, oh, man, I got to, man, I got to be worried. What you got to be worried about? Well, well, I mean, life. I mean, aren't you worried? I mean, you're, you're living, aren't you? Got to worry. Got to worry. It's not going to add any height. It's not going to add any more days. You could be like rocking in a rocking chair, burning up your energy, rob you of your creativity, not being able to enjoy the present. And by the way, everything you worried about today, you worried about yesterday is now today. And most of the things you worried about yesterday is not happening today. Right? But sometimes we get so caught up in the things we have no control over, the things we have no, no power over. That we get mastered by problems. And he says, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about anything. But this is what you need to do. Instead of carrying them, the Bible says in First Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. One translation says, cast, throw all your cares on the Lord. Give them to him. How many of you know he's got big shoulders, strong arms, and he can handle all our problems together as well as the rest of the world. Amen. He can do it. So let me handle your problems. And the promise is the peace of God, not just any peace that surpasses comprehension. That is ridiculously unthinkable will guard your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus. That's a good deal, isn't it? So if you want to worry about nothing, you got to pray about everything. You know, whenever I was working on this, on this talk, thought about the old hymn. The old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. You ever heard of it? Some of you maybe never heard of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you. I'm not going to sing it. But I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Powerful, powerful message. This is how it goes. What a friend we have in Jesus. 
all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Second verse. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can you find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And in his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. He's still the refuge. He's still the Prince of Peace. He's still the one that can calm our storm. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Come on, some of you, you got a ton of worry right on sitting on your shoulders. and Let's, let's go home without that today. Amen? Come on, let's not be mastered by worry. You know, what a powerful quote. Worry, worry is the sin that we're okay with. Worry really is a lack of trust in God. That's what Jesus said. Come on, come on, guys. Where's your faith? Come on, where's your faith? Do we trust God? Can we trust God? Come on, come on. Let's encourage each other, right? Because every one of us in this room has some measure of worry and concern. Can we just cast it on the Lord this morning? So come on, some of you got names of your worry. You got faces of your worry. You, some of you, maybe it looks like a job. It looks like a test. It looks like a neighbor. It, you know, come on, let's give it to the Lord right now. Come on, some of you, maybe you've been labeled as the worry ward. Come on, that's not who God calls you. God don't want you to be a worry ward. Come on, he wants you to be a peaceful person living with peace in your life. Amen. Are y'all with me today? Come on, let's ask him to release his grace right now. Father God, thank you. Lord, for just coming, Lord, and breaking all worry, all anxiety. Lord God, I know we have a measure of, of worry, every one of us. But Lord, it's that worry that's out of balance, that's over the top. Lord, I pray, bring it into perspective today. Lord God, line it up with your word. Father God, you said, don't worry about your life. Lord, help us today to release our burdens. Come on, right where you are. Come on. Some of you, maybe you just need to tell the Lord, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to say that anymore. I'm the worry ward. I'm the worrier in the family. Come on. I'm not the worrier. I'm the one that trusts God. I'm the one that believes in God. I'm the one that puts his faith in God. Come on. Let's change that today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for breaking worry over every heart and every life today in the name of Jesus. Come on. His promises the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind 
In Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Come on, His peace. Come on, help me. Just invite God's peace right now. Come on, some of you just need to take a deep breath and just let it go. Let the weight of the world go right now and say, God, I give it to you. I cast it on you. Lord, I turn it over to you. Lord, I don't want to leave here as heavy as I came in here. I want to leave light, Lord. I want to, I want to leave here free today. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Now, listen, before we go, I just want to give an invitation to every one of you that's in this room. You know, maybe you're here today and, and it's because a friend invited you. Are you going through a great storm in your life? And you know, you don't, have, you don't have Jesus sitting in the boat with you in your storm until you surrender your life to him. Until you ask Him to forgive your sins and invite Him to come into your life to take control. That's when He comes into the boat of your life. And He's with you in the storm of life. Some of you here today, maybe you've never done that, but today you say, Todd, I'm here in church today because I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of living with the pressures of life. I need help today. And I want to give my life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give the control of my life to him. If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I just want you to raise your hand. This is serious business. This is eternity right here. The Bible says that when we die, we're going to live our life at one place or the other. We're going to live our life on the streets of girl or be totally separated from God. And he says to everybody that rejects me, I will reject them. But everybody that's received him to them, he will give the right to become children of God. Come on, you're receiving Christ today. Is that right? Come on, he cares for you. I want you to just bow your head. And I want you to just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law. Lord, I'm sorry for my rebellious ways, my sinful ways. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for trying to live my life without you. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Wash my heart. Cleanse my life. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross that my sins could be forgiven. And I'm asking you to forgive my sins and accept me into your family. I put my faith and my trust in you, Jesus, this day. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Would you just extend your hand towards them? Now, the Bible says that when somebody gets saved, the scales, scales are, the veil is removed off your eyes spiritually. The Bible says you, you positionally at a different place. Before you separated from God, after you received Christ, you're one with God. You're connected with God. There's nothing greater in life than to be connected with God, to have Him in your ship. Amen. Amen. He can cause you to get across your storm over to the other side. Amen. Come on, let's pray for Him. This is your family now, and we're just extending love to you. Father, we pray the favor of God, the blessing of God, the touch of God on each and every one of these. Lord, thank you, God, for just 
changing their eternity, changing their life, changing their heart, changing their perspective. Thank you, Lord, that peace is filling and flooding their heart today. Thank you, Lord, they will never be the same. They will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now let's have closing prayer. And as we close in prayer, listen, some of you, you call yourself worry word. Come up and get prayed for. Come on. We're going to break that off your life today. Amen. That's not who you are. You're not going to sit around worrying anymore. You're going to enjoy the peace of God. So that's you. Come and get prayer. Ask God to break that off your life. Father, I pray the favor and blessing of God over each and every heart, each and every family here today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.